0: the fifth in the series about the heart and mouth connection. We've got to realize the Bible teaches that what's in our heart comes out of our mouth. And we have a lot of problem with our mouth because in essence we're having problem with our heart. See, the heart is the tree and the words we speak are the fruit. So if you've got a tree that's producing bad fruit, then the tree's not, the fruit's not the problem, the tree's the problem. So we need to realize that. But there's things that we can do and that we must do in order to be able to have our words right that are coming out of our mouth. Now, when I got born again, when I made Jesus Lord of my life this past April 2nd, which was just what day was that on? Last Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah. Last Sunday, wow, how time flies. Last Sunday, 48 years ago, when I gave my life to Jesus, He changed my heart. Give me a new heart. But somehow or another, it took a while for my words to catch up with that. And I had to begin to put into my heart things that I needed to have in there so that the words would come out of my mouth. And And, and I want you to know, changing your words and changing from negative to positive and and, and from death to life is not something you do probably overnight. But you can begin overnight. Here's the, here's the thing of it. We can begin to be different overnight. Now, the Bible, and, and I, I failed to mention this last Sunday. Last Sunday we dealt a lot in the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs deals with three specific areas in our life. Number one, it deals with our morals. Morals. You read If you're having trouble in your life with morals, and I'm talking about lust and all that stuff, you understand what I'm saying. I don't know how to spit it out to you, do you. Morals, you all know what that means. Read the book of Proverbs. It will help you with that. Another area that the book of Proverbs deals a whole lot with is our money. So if you're having problems about your money, in whatever way it may be, read the book of Proverbs. And another thing it deals with is our mouth. So there's the three M's out of the book of Proverbs. Our morals, our money, and our mouth. And if you're having trouble with your mouth, start filling your heart up with the words in the book of Proverbs that have to do with the mouth, the tongue, the lips, and it'll begin to make a change in your life, in your heart. Now today we're going to come to the book of James and we're going to talk about the evidence of a troubled heart is a troubled tongue. Okay you got that? You can tell what people believe, how they feel, where they stand, if you listen to them talk long enough. You know that, don't you? and so we're going to talk about the tongue today, the tongue and in talking about the tongue, we're dealing with the mouth, we're dealing with the heart, so we're talking about the tongue and the effects that it has in our life and and uh some things about the tongue that, did you know a chameleon, a little chameleon lizard, did you know this tongue is twice the length of its body? And thinking about that, it reminds me of the story, and you may have heard it too, about the woman that was in a church, and she was she was the local gossip buddy. I mean, she talked about everything to everybody and talked about everybody to everybody. And the preacher preached a real hard-hitting message about the tongue one day. Now, I mean he preached and he preached and he preached. And when he got done, this woman come up and she said, Oh, Pastor, I want to lay my tongue on the altar today. And he looked at the altar and looked back at her and he said, Sister, our altar's not long enough for your tongue. (laughs) Here's another thing about the tongue. Did you know that a blue whale's tongue weighs as much as the average size elephant? Now, I've known some people, the way they talk and the things they say, that I believe would be a blue whale in comparison because of the things that they would say and would come across with. But in James chapter 3, we're going to begin reading in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 12 and then come back and talk about these verses. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Behold, also ships, which though they be so great, and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So was the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body, and it setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell for every kind of beast and of birds and serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for this time, for your hand upon us. Help us, Lord, to be able to share your word with your people today. Father, I pray that hearts will be open, minds will be open, Lord, that we'll receive your word. Father, so that we can come in line in our heart and our mouth connection like we're supposed to. I pray, Lord, that you give us new revelation. And Father, I pray that you dig into us through your Spirit and bring up things that you've shown us in times past. And Lord, we give you the glory and the honor for it all. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And together we said, Amen. Now let me me make an admission to you right off the bat. First of all, As I come to this chapter and begin to study, as we're studying about the mouth and the heart and mouth connection, a couple of things happen. Uh, One, I've done a lot of repenting this week because I see so many times that I don't live up to what I need to. And uh, I've, I've repented before the Lord, and if I've said things that I shouldn't say in your presence to you, about you, around you, or about anything, I ask you to forgive me. Now, and I'm not being theatrical with doing that, but it's simply to help us understand that if we're going to get our heart and mouth lined up, that's the first step that we need to take. The first thing that we need to do is to go in a time of repentance. Now another thing that came about this week as I was studying this, I I came across some things that I I want to share. Now I'm going to share some words that I got from a fellow named Robert Morris. I know you may have heard of him, you may not. I've got to listen to him lately, and I like him. Uh, But so I'm going to give him credit for some of the points that we're going to use in this message, okay? But I'm giving God the credit for the message, all right? And you say, you're going to say something somebody else has said? Well, have you ever said anything that was your own original thing? Hmm? Come on now. Just like the songs that we sang this morning, how many times have we sung those? How many times has Amazing Grace been sung? That was some man's writing. He wrote through the Holy Spirit. So anyhow, that's that's not the point. But I, I tried to come up with other words for these things, and I couldn't find it. So I just said, okay, I'll just come out and say, hey, I got some of this stuff from Robert Morris. But the Lord gave me the message. You got that? All right. Y'all, are you all okay with that? I hope so, because that's where we're going. All right. And in talking about the tongue here, he gives us some facts, you might say, that are interesting. One thing I want you to remember is that uh, Proverbs 18.21, I want you to see this all through this time. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life, are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. And I try to to spiritualize this or symbolize it, you know, try to figure out what's he talking about when he talks about death and life. Well, he's talking about what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 30 where, where Moses told the children of Israel as a spokesman for God, I set before you this day the way of life and blessings, the way of death and curses. Here when he talks about death and life, this is things that are very real. And and listen, folks, death is not just necessarily dying with no breath in there. Death can be in a lot of ways. And and we speak death. And it ends up in death. And it may not be a physical leaving this earth kind of death. It could be death to a marriage because of our words. It could be death to your finances, death to your children, death to your body because of the words that we speak. And then he said, life. And just as we can speak death to things by speaking negative, by speaking harsh and ugly from a heart that's not where it needs to be with God, we can also speak life. And here's the consolation of this thing. I can speak life to my marriage if it's in trouble. I can speak life to my wife. I can speak life to my children. I can speak life to my grandchildren and see a change, a difference come in their life. I can speak life to my body and see my body be different. So this is what we want to achieve and where we want to go to. But now, in, uh, J- in here in the Scripture in James, it's the longest continuous discourse in the Bible about the tongue. And the first thing that I want us to look at is, is James is talking about this. By the way, James was a pastor. James was a pastor of the first church that came about in Jerusalem, he had a pastor's heart. He dealt with these things, and so that's the reason that so many things bothered James from a pastoral standpoint that he wrote it down. And sometimes I wish I could write down my messages and hand it to you and run. Okay, so I can't. I, I could do that, but uh, you know. Anyhow, one thing that we got to understand is the tongue. I want you listen to listen how I say this the tongue is disproportionately powerful. Now what i mean by disproportionately means that that the tongue and he talks about it as a bridle, as a rudder on a ship, and he talks about it as a spark that starts a forest fire. As we as we think about these three things right here, and he says about the fire he says, "See how great a matter a little fire kindles." But But you come back to the bridle. And he says, first of all, here in in, uh, verse 2. I lost my place. (laughs) Verse (laughs) 2. For in many things we offend all, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And then he goes on in the next verse and says, Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouth. Put bits in his mouth, and we turn him wherever we want to. Now, I I think so many times that a lot of us end up like a couple of old mules that my granddaddy had. He plowed plowed his fields with mules. And it's somehow another a mule's mouth is tougher than a horse's mouth. I don't know if they're born that way, if that's just the way that it was intended for them to be, but somehow my granddaddy would put would get that bridle on that mule, and and he would pull that rein a little bit one way, and the mule's supposed to go that way. This granddaddy hill I'm talking about, Willie. Mule's supposed to go that way, and if it didn't, he pulled a little harder, and at the same time he'd be saying, ha, ha, ha. Ha, that meant to go left. G meant to go right. Ain't that right, Ron? I got it right. Ha. His ha. Ha! He'd pull on that rein. Ha! I told you ha. Pull and mu'd go left. And I thought about how we're we that way so many times. How many times does God have to speak to us to get us to understand something? Right? Now don't look at somebody and call a mew mouth, all right? Let's don't be getting into that category. But you take that bit, and 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 it goes in that horse's mouth, and with that with that bit, that bridle, and that bit, you can lead that horse wherever you want to go. And it's not like a wild horse. See, a wild horse that don't have a bridle on it runs about aimlessly, with no destination in mind except just to get away from you. But once that horse is trained and tamed and, and the bridle on it and the bit in its mouth, then you can lead that horse wherever you want to. And so many times, folks, we let our mouths mess up our destination. And we run off at the mouth just like somebody that don't have any direction. Well, I mean, we're all about this and about that and about something else just all the time, aimlessly. And we speak things that, that we're trying to make it look good. But, but it's not happening because we just let our mouth go. And, and when we'll learn to bridle the tongue, see, he said that if you bridle your tongue, you're a perfect person and able to bridle the whole body. Think about bridling the body. Hey, that, that does it. If you're looking for the perfect diet, bridle your tongue. Right? If you're looking to get ahead financially, bridle your tongue. If you're looking for an advancement on your job, bridle your tongue. If you're looking for your marriage to get better, bridle your tongue. You know, we in a marriage situation, you need to learn how to speak life even when death looks imminent. Right? Then he said the rudder of a ship. I I thought this was pretty interesting. This rudder of a ship. And... In, in, uh, Verse 4, I'm skipping one there, Bo. In verse 4 and 5, he talks about the rudder of a ship. Did you know that the Titanic was 882 feet long? And it set 11 stories high and held thousands of people and workers on that ship. It, It was, I mean, tremendous big ship. But according to what we understand, the rudder for that ship was only 78 feet long. Now think about that. Here you got 882 feet. That's turned by 78 feet, and that's that's it. You think, well, boy, it's a big rudder. Oh, no, in comparison to that ship, it's very small, isn't it? Very small. But it, it it turn it whichever way the 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 captain of the ship wants it to go. So you need a rudder because on that on a ship, a boat, when a storm comes. You need to use that rudder to turn that thing into the wind and the waves or else it'll capsize. And we need to learn to use our tongue in the time of storms to start talking peace and safety, to start talking faith instead of doubt and unbelief and fear. We need to use our tongues in the time of storm, to, to as we said again, to begin to speak life into stormy situations. And we all come in contact with those all the time. So just as the bridle, Leads in a direction, the tongue or the rudder will help you then through the storms of life and, and not only do you need to learn to speak words uh, whenever the storms is coming, but you need to speak, learn to speak words whenever everything is going good. How many times we get this point? Well boy everything's going pretty good. I can just sort of lay back and take it easy. When you lay back and take it easy, that's the day that Satan's going to walk all over your case and he's going to, he's going to be on you vehemently because you slacked up. Folks, it's like i said a lot of times. If I can say that I'm a child of God whenever it don't look like I'm being tempted too much, then I've got to be able to say I'm a child of God when temptation comes. And if I'm not confessing it when things are going good, then I'm not going to confess it and possess it when things are going bad. You say, confess it, possess it, you believe you can have what you say? Well, most of us do. You think about it. Most of us end up, and that kind of thing. And he said that if you talk life, you're going to get life. If you talk death, you're going to get death. So, folks, even when things are going good, see, I I feel like that. Loretta and I have a tremendous marriage. We've been married 47 years, and I, I believe our marriage is tremendous. But I'm constantly, and she is too, reaffirming each other in our marriage relationship. And you think, after 47 years, you don't need to do that? She was telling me about, or that Nate told her, that somebody in the church where she goes when she's not here, that other church, <laughs> have been married about the same length of time that Loretta and I have, and they're getting divorced. I don't understand. You know, my goodness, if we fought through the waves for forty-seven years, there's got to be some smooth water coming after a while, right? And so, so we need, and so we do that. And one thing, and that, here's what happens. It keeps us, whenever a little myth come along, a little wave jump up every now and then, it keeps us from getting mad and allowing that wave to turn into a tidal wave or turn into a hurricane that would sink and wreck our marriage. She's actually got to where she'll raise her voice at me. She has. And and let me tell you all something. Guys, I found out a secret to this thing about a woman raising her voice. If you'll just smile and say, yes, ma'am, and go on, you know that water just calms right down. (laughs) See, you need a rudder in fair weather because stormy weather's coming. It's going to happen. It's going to take place. What you've said in the past, and here's something you need to realize, what you have said in the past has framed the life you're experiencing today. If you've talked, if you've talked poor, sick, you know can't make it, and all this kind of stuff, then chances are that's going on in your life today. If you get up every day and talk about how sick you feel and how bad you hurt and all of that, then chances are that's where you are today. Hey, you say, "Well, I just tell it like it is." Well, you know, I understand that, I understand that. But when Jesus when they woke Jesus up in the bow of that ship, he didn't get up and say, oh my, we're having a storm. That wasn't his first reaction when he got up. He got up and said, peace be still, and it laid down. He was telling it like it is whenever we're speaking the Word of God. Folks, the Word of God is so many times different from the facts that you and I see. Right? See, what you say today will steer you towards tomorrow. Young people need to realize that. Need to understand that. Two words that needs to get out of all of us' vocabulary, especially young people, when it comes to the things of this life, when it comes to uh, uh, achievements and advancing and getting ahead, is the word I can't. I can't. I was over at the softball field the other day watching the girls practice. And one of the girls, uh, she was running the bases and she came around through there and and uh, the coach said something to her. And she said, "Well, I can't do any better. I can't." And she had to do five burpees. That's the thing they call where they, you know all this kind of stuff they do. And uh, I thought, good, good, folks. I've said for years the biggest problem in the church. One of the biggest problems in the church is eye problems. And it's what I call eye cataracts. Because I can't, I can't, and then I can't see past right here. I'm not able, my vision gets dim and I'm not able to see. Why? Because I'm allowing the rudder, this tongue, to stir me in the direction that I think that I can only go in. I want you to know, I believe I can do anything. I really do. I can I can do anything I need to do. Hunter over here runs hurdles and he runs, you run a hundred, don't you? Four by one hundred. And if I wanted to, I could outrun him. I could. Oh, there's a key to that. I don't want to. (laughs) I don't want to do that. But could I if I had to? Yes. And in the meantime, be praying I never have to. But I'm not going to say I can't. Okay? When people tell me you can't do that, that just, I can't handle people telling me I can't do something. And the reason I can't handle people telling me I can't do something is because when it comes to the things that God has told me to do, when it comes to my life and, and my walk with God and my family, folks, if you tell me I can't, because I'm already convinced I can, if you tell me I can't, I'm going to show you I can do it. And I'm going to speak words to bring that to pass. I'm going to let this tongue in my mouth, Instead of being a fire or being something that just sets there or breaks off, I'm going to let it be a rudder that stirs my life in the direction that it needs to go in. he talk about a spark. Boy, this is a tough one. I know we were out late Friday night at a ball game or Thursday night, both nights. Anyway, we'd got something to eat late. And any, and any more eating late just don't go well with me. And but I, I do it when I have to. But anyway, we had had something to eat after the ball game that night, and the next morning I got up and I told her, I said, I feel like I got a dragon in my mouth. You know what I'm talking about? Well, here's what happens so many times, spiritually speaking and with the tongue that many people have and the words they say. It's like they got a fire breathing dragon in their mouth all the time. Because everything they say is snappy. Everything they say is hard. Everything they say is hurting. And the reason it's that way is because that's what's going on in their heart. I want you to notice what he says here about the the fire in verses 5 and 6. Even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth! You remember the fires in Gatlinburg? You know that was started, uh, some guys started it, but it was started... Either with a, a match or a light, or just a small thing, and it went and destroyed hundreds and hundreds of acres and homes, and and people died as a result of that little spark that started that fire. And and that's what happens. To us, you you say something to somebody, and then you think, well, they, they ain't nothing to do that. But the way it's taken and what does, then it begins to burn and burn. That's the reason I, I encourage parents never criticize your child. And this is something that parents do a lot of times. Never criticize your child. One thing that, that our children can say is that when they were growing up at our house, I never called them stupid. I never called them ignorant. I never told them they can't learn. I would look at them and say, we got a problem, we're going to work on it. We're going to work on it. Because why? Because calling a child ignorant you're not doing nothing but starting a fire and it gets in them and then, then that's all they can do and they end up in so much trouble as they go on through life. So, so you need to understand that the words you speak to your wife or your husband, those times that you're in a, a fit of rage, you might say, and, and you just uncontrol that thing and it jumps out there and it can start a fire that just progresses and progresses and progresses until it's destroyed. All the work that you've done and it comes from that tongue. Verse six says, "The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and it setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell." The tongue is an unruly, is 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 an inherent evil. You're born with it that way. You take. These nice little babies of Jonathan and Anna and even Elijah. You take that little child. You don't have to teach those children to say things that are hard. They'll pick it up on their own. What they have to learn be learned, is is learn how to talk and get along and, and not fuss and quarrel and argue all the time. Why? Because that's born in man. Well, does that mean these children are sinners? No, 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 no. They're innocent. They're in their innocence. Thank God for that. But what I'm saying is this to us, folks. You and I need to realize that there comes a time that we need to grow out of that. You remember junior high? You remember how it was in junior high? I mean, junior high people are not nice sometimes. They talk and make fun of things. I remember when I was in the sixth grade, that wasn't junior high. Back in those days, we only had high school and elementary. We didn't have this other. I'll tell you how long ago it was. I went to school, okay, <laughs> in a small school. But anyway, when I was in the sixth grade, I'd always been a big guy. But I got sick. I was sick for six weeks, out of school for six weeks, and I lost a lot of weight. I was just thin. And and my mother even made the statement she was concerned that I was I was just going to waste away. Can you imagine me being to the point? Somebody think I was going to waste away? Yeah. Anyway, I got my waist back. But anyhow. But after I got over that and through that summer and the next year, I got back. I mean I come back with a vengeance. I got big. Big to the point that some of them started calling me fat so. I hated it. I hated to be called fat so worse than anything in the world. And it wasn't their fault, it was me because I was fat. I mean I was a roly-poly jello kind of guy. And and I remember I was out at P.E. one day and there's a little guy in our class that stood about here on me. And I'm we're in the seventh grade. His name's Donald Phillips. And he was just pesky. And he was always picking on me. Hey, fat soul. Hey, fat soul, Carol. He's always doing that. he would be far enough away from him I couldn't get to him. And it was cold that day and, and mother had bought me this parka, this red parka with a hood on it. And I was out there, man, had that red parka on. Here was a Bowl of Jello in the red package. And, uh, and he come up there and I have my hands in my pocket. He come up there and he started saying, Fatso, Fatso. And he got real close to me. And I told him, I said, you call me Fatso one more time, I'm going to knock your nose off your face. And when he got done with me, <laughs> you know from that time on it never bothered me if somebody called me Fatso. Never did. Never had any more problem with it. But folks, Here's the thing about it. We may go through stages. You may have gone through stages like that, but you need to understand that this tongue has got to be tamed. It's got to be changed. It's got to be different because it is evil. And that brings us to the next thing. Verses 7 and 8 tells us that the tongue is humanly untamable. Humanly. I want you to get a hold of that word. Hold on to it. Humanly untamable. Because he said, Of every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and of things in the sea is tamed and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, you know who he's writing to? You remember I told you earlier that James was a pastor? He's writing to the church in Jerusalem. Of course, it went out to all of them. He's writing to these folks and said, Look, you used to have a tongue that was unruly, full of evil. But you're Christian now. You need to get out of that kind of thing. Because later on, he, he, I can just hear James is disgust when he says, "Brother, these things ought not so to be. It ought not to be this way. But it seems like that it is. No man can tame the tongue. And see, he said it's an unruly evil. It's not just an evil. It's an unruly evil. It's one thing that, you know what I thought about when I was running around the community but having an unruly evil person running around the community? You know what I thought about when I was reading that? I thought about the the, the, the demoniac guy that had so many demons that was over there in the land of Gadara. And he was out in the tombstones and they had to chain this guy. And and they couldn't even keep him chained. He was so strong and empowered by demons and he cut himself and and he terrorized the people. And that's, that's sort of like, What I looked at, and you say, you mean i got one of those things in my mouth? Well, it said the tongue's an unruly evil. Unruly. It'd be bad to have an unruly somebody running around at work, wouldn't it? But it said no man can tame it. He said it cannot be tamed by mankind. Mankind. And then in verse 8, it says no man can tame it. No man. Women say, yeah, you're right. No man can do that. But the same word in the Greek language for mankind is also the same word that the word man is translated from. Same word. And what does that tell me is this. It includes us all. Male and female. The tongue no male can tame. The tongue no female can tame. See, it's all the same. When it comes to this, it's all the same. Male and female. You guys notice that with that last one, there's a fee with that. You all to catch that about lunchtime after a while and say, oh, female, yeah, I got it, female, feed with female. Now you got it, didn't you? The tongue is humanly untamable. Have you ever, you ever said out, boy, I'm going to start talking better, I'm going to quit saying negative things, I'm going to quit making remarks about people, I'm going to quit gossiping, I'm going to quit doing all of these things, and I'll make a decision to do that now. And you make it through one day and you look back on it and you say, well, I've done pretty good. Week past, done pretty good. But I'm convinced that folks that, that about two weeks, if, if there's a, a locker inside of us for saying dumb things, it gets full in about two weeks. And then something happens and it all comes out and we lose everything in one day that we worked two weeks to obtain. Why? You and I on our own cannot tame the tongue. But here's, here's some hope here. If the tongue is humanly untamable... Then it's divinely tameable. Hallelujah. Isn't that good to know? Now, next Sunday we're gonna have Easter and we're gonna be I got a message the Lord's giving me about Easter. And uh, and then the next Sunday we're gonna talk about how to bridle the tongue. And we're gonna get involved in some things and talking about bridling the tongue that's that a lot of folks in the church don't have nothing to do with. It's sort of divisive and stirs up difficulty in the church, and I'm not trying to do that. But folks, we've got pure scriptural background, and that's the fact of this. The Holy Ghost can tame your tongue. The Holy Ghost. You know what happened on the day of Pentecost? When they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spoke with other tongues, it changed their tongue. Because here stood a man that came upon Him that before said, I deny Him. And on the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Ghost came upon Him, His tongue was chained changed. And He said, not only do I accept Him, but this same Jesus whom you have crucified, God has made Him to be both Lord and Christ. So we're going to get to that as we go on. So i give you something to look to. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, the tongue is contrastingly productive. The tongue's productive. Life and death. Isn't that what we read earlier? But it's contrast. Think about that. The contrast in it. life and death. Blessing curses. So it's contrastingly productive. And it's unnatural. This kind of thing is unnatural. He's saying, folks, you're Christians now. It's unnatural. Do you know that your tongue can do something that nature cannot do? Don't you think about this with me for a minute. See, he says here, I'm going to read verse 8 again, But the tongue can no man tame, it is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it, verse 9, Bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessings and curses. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth the fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? And can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, fig, so can no fountain yield both? fresh water, and salt water. See, it's, that's unnatural. To think, I've got an apple tree that's going to produce me strawberries this year. It's not going to happen. Or, or to have a, a well that's got brackish water in it and go there and expect to draw out a cup of clean water. It's not going to happen. Those kind of things are not going to Nature does not do that. I read in the Bible in a couple of places two places, to where that water was not fitting to drink, but after God got through with it, it became drinkable. When God gets through with us, the words that come out of our mouth will be words that will speak life, that will speak faith, that will speak the things of God as we allow them to. And we can go there and drink good, cool, fresh water all the time. Jesus said in John chapter 7, If you believe on me as the Scripture has said, then from your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water, purified living water, water that gives life. Jesus said to the woman at the well, He said, If you you drink of this water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. What I'm saying is Jesus can take everything that we have ever caused to happen in our life and that we've let happen in our life. And He can change that in a moment, in an instant of the time, and cause fresh water to begin to come out and produce in our life. Just as evil and death are in the power of the tongue, so is life. I want to read you that passage Scripture from the Message Bible. You just listen and follow along with me. We don't have it to go up on the screen. Don't be in any rush to become a teacher, my friends. Teaching is highly responsible work. Teachers are held to the strictest standards, and none of us is perfectly qualified. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. Boy, isn't that so. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person and perfect control of life. Where, where does that give us any hope? Well, we got hope. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the, horses, the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By our speech, we can ruin the world, turn harmony to chaos, throw mud on a reputation, send the whole world up in smoke, and go up in smoke with it, smoke right from the pit of hell. This is scary. Can you tame a tiger? But you can't tame a tongue. You can tame a tiger, but you can't tame a tongue. It's never been done. The tongue runs wild, a wanton killer. With our tongues, we bless God our Father. With the same tongues, we curse the very men and women He made in His image. Curses and blessings out of the same mouth. My friends, this can't go on. A spring don't gush fresh water one day and brackish the next, does it? Apple trees don't bear strawberries, do they? Raspberry bushes don't bear apples, do they? You're not going to dip into a polluted mud hole and get a cup of cool, clear water, are you? No. But listen, that's not the end of it. He said that if we're in Christ, we're a new creature. Start the process. We start the process of getting our tongues changed, our hearts changed and begin to fill it up with the things of Almighty God. And the Holy Spirit can help us do that. As we allow Him to to minister to us and show us His Word, the Holy Spirit can help us do that. But folks, we've got to realize, whether we want to accept it or not, you must realize today that your life is guided and is made evident by the words that you speak. And the words that you speak come from your heart. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said this, From the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Make the tree good, the fruit good, the tree bad, and the fruit bad. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And then he said this. He went on and said this. For every word, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. I want my words to be true. I want my words to be right. More of us need to practice what James said in James chapter 1. He said, let us be swift to hear of other things, slow to speak. And if we do that, then it covers a whole lot, guides a whole lot of other things. Our heart. How's your heart today? Think about it. How's your heart? I want you to bow your heads with me just now. as we do, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit what he has for you and what he would like to show you in this message today what you need to see and where you need to work and deal, just ask the Holy Spirit to do that for you. And as you begin to do that this today, I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you.